Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Happy Easter. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Talking Twilight Sound. You open this door with the click of a mouse. Beyond it is a world of sound, thought, and opinion. In-depth discussions of television's greatest blending of science, superstition, imagination. And you're invited along. For the next 30 minutes, we'll be talking Twilight Zone. Hi folks, I'm Lynn and I'm your host for Talking Twilight Zone. And I'm here with my co-host, Bobby Neer. Robert and Dave. Hello, folks. Hello. Now, I thought, of, Robert, I thought you were going to do that after I said Talking Twilight Zone, so I'm sorry about that. Oh, just wait. I got more to come, Lynn. Don't worry. <laughs> well, you know what? We're all here, so that means that none of us were winners in the Mega Millions lottery last night, and Bobby and I have not bought lottery tickets in years, but we decided to blow a paltry $5 on five tickets yesterday. And obviously, we didn't win. Uh, did you buy any tickets, Robert? Nah, don't have that kind of luck. You know, yeah, it's... well, I we blew the five. But, you know, it was fun. I haven't bought tickets in years. Uh, but anyway, hey, Dave, I have a question for you. Do they have lo- they have lotteries in England, right? I always assume oh, they did. Oh, indeed, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we have a weekly one, there's a daily one, and there's also what's called Euro Millions, where it's across the whole of Europe. That can get up to about £150 million, so that's $220 million if it's rolled oh, over. But it's usually, it's usually about $30 or $40 million, the Euro one, and the UK one's usually about 5 five to $8 million. Wow. Yeah, I assume that they have them in, in England. I but, just wasn't but, sure how popular but, but they were. The winnings are tax-free. Oh. Mm. So you don't tax pay any tax free? on it. Yeah, if you win, you don't pay taxes on it. Very, or if you have someone like fun. the doctor that can go back in time and get a lottery ticket for you, being a former companion, that always helps. Very, don't very nice. Well, I like that. I like that. Tax-free. Can't beat that. Okay, well, today's episode is called Death Said Revisited. And I'm going to turn it over to Robert for the opening clip. Now, Mr. Serling. Mr. Schmidt recently arrived in a small Bavarian village, which lies eight miles northwest of Munich. A picturesque, delightful little spot, one time known for its scenery but more recently related to other events having to do with some of the less positive pursuits of man. Human slaughter, torture, misery, and anguish. Mr. Schmidt, as we will soon perceive, has a vested interest in the ruins of a concentration camp. 
For once, some 17 years ago, his name was Gunter Lutzer. He held the rank of a captain in the SS. He was a black uniformed strutting animal whose function in life was to give pain. And like his colleagues of the time, he shared the one affliction most common amongst that breed known as Nazis. He walked the earth without a heart. And now former SS Captain Lutzer will revisit his old haunts, satisfied perhaps that all that is awaiting him in the ruins on the hill is an element of nostalgia. What he does not know, of course, is that a place like Dachau cannot exist only in Bavaria. By its nature, by its very nature, it must be one of the populated areas of the Twilight Zone. Easter, huh? <laughs> I, I and last, last show, too. <laughs> I know. I love that opening narration. I really do. And, uh, you know, it's just... I don't know. It's very chilling. I mean, I just love the the narration. And, you know, of course, as Rod said, Gunther Lutz, a former captain in the SS, he returns to the ruins of the Dachau concentration camp to relive the memories of his time as its uh, commandant during World War II. And he revels in the recollections of the torment he inflicted on the inmates. And you gotta, you gotta love it. He stands there with this really cold smile, you know. He's a self-satisfaction while he he thinks about the, he reminisces about the suffering that he was responsible for, and he walks around the gallows and and you know he he's just loving it. But then as he prepares to leave, he's surprised to see Alfred Becker, one of the camp's inmates. So Becker, he relentlessly uh, dogs. Lutz with the reality of his grossly inhumane treatment of the inmates, while Lutz stubbornly and uh, obviously unemotionally insists that he was only carrying out his orders and had no idea that, you know, uh, the Third Reich, you know, planned to exterminate all, all of the Jews. So Becker is then joined by other inmates, and he puts Lutz on trial for crimes against humanity, and they find him guilty. Surprise, surprise. So before Becker can pronounce a sentence, Lutz remembers that he killed Becker 17 years ago on the night before U.S. troops reached Dachau and realizes that Becker, as well as all the men who witnessed his trial, are ghosts. So as punishment and atonement for his sins, Lutz is made to undergo the same horrors he had imposed on the inmates. Now, he's not physically touched, but he experiences the pain in his mind, and, and it culminates with the, uh, near the detention room, where he screams in agony, and he's being driven insane. So before departing, Becker's ghost informs him, this is not hate, this is justice. Hello? Are you ready to take over for a minute, Robert? I guess I better. While Lynn is trying to um, call back in with this, yeah, very interesting episode to say the least uh, about this one. And definitely liked um, Oscar's performance in this one a lot better than in the um, previous one he was in, which was the Rip Van Winkle um, caper. And, you know, it it brings up a lot of thoughts about... um, way things were back during World War II and the um, Nazi occupation and 
especially Dachau and some of the other um, concentration camps. And unfortunately, you know, to have something like that happen is very terrible in in this uh, century's history. But um, I think um, Rod and them got it down pretty well on what they um, did with this episode. Well, while we're waiting for Lynn to come back to um, give her review, this kind of puts you on the spot a little bit, Dave. Um, why don't we go to you and um, get your thoughts on this episode while we're waiting for him to come back in. Well, okay, yeah. Rick Wall and Bobby here. Until uh, Lynn re-signs in as uh, the host, uh, we won't be able to unmute you, so um, I get to go before Bobby for once. Um, but strangely, it would be on an episode where I haven't really got a great deal to say I've got quite a lot of praise to say for the the two main uh, actors that played the uh, the the two uh, adversaries I suppose you'd call it two representations the one of course the Oscar uh, Beringi is it uh, playing Captain Lutz uh, and then Joseph uh, oh, why do they have names you can't pronounce playing Becca I know um, <laughs> one of the things that I seem to remember was that uh, they both actually got uh, referenced by uh, uh, Rod Sterling, uh, which is unusual. I think in the the week prior, when he's sort of doing the sort of next week's episode, he actually makes the point of making two. Now, presumably, they'd already filmed the episode, and they, they were uh, extremely pleased about the way both these two actors had uh, come across. The 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 chap playing the uh, the um, Captain Lutz um, actually has been in two other of the um, Twilight Zones. We saw him in the Rip Van Winkle caper, if you remember that. That's the guys where uh, that's when I mentioned Van... that I felt his performance wasn't that great, and but this one was a lot better. Yeah. Yes, he was playing a scientist in that. The idea was that they robbed this gold and to give time for all the. Uh, Things to die down about this money being, uh, this gold to be stolen. They went into this cave and put themselves to sleep for so many years. And of course, it 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 all went the way of the Twilight Zone. Won't spoil the episode if you haven't seen it. Just to remind you that that is from season two. We're on season three, of course, with this episode. This episode is seventy episode seventy four, aired first on the tenth of November nineteen sixty one. So he was in an episode um, about. Uh, well, season two, as I say, episode 60. And I think you're probably right, Robert. He was playing slightly more stereotypical, you know, science-y type of role. Here, I felt as though he, he was uh, uh, gave an excellent performance in that. Well, he was in his element in this one, Dave. I really felt that. Yeah, he, he was Hungarian-born. Um, and I think the, the other actors... Lynn, are you back on LK? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we oh, were just uh, making a contribution while we waited for you to yeah, get back in, but we're quite happy to no, no, I'm, I'm glad. No, I'm just. I, I'm. I'm so. And I get so aggravated with Skype. I really do. And, and Skype is just the worst. But anyway, uh, it's not revenge. It's justice. But it's only the beginning. Yeah. He, but he says, uh, you know, the uh, the final judgment's going to come from God. So, you know, they prepare to leave, and uh, they're taking looks to the asylum. And the doctor who examines him looks around the, the camp and says, why does it still stand? Why do we keep it standing? 
And, you know, Rod Serling pretty much answers that question in his closing dialogue, or closing narration or dialogue, I should say. And, you know, it, it's it's true. I mean, uh, you know, he he has a lot to say about the fact that they have to leave it standing as a reminder. And I think when Rod Serling wrote that Ted Revisited, you know, he gave us one of the darkest and most chilling episodes of the Twilight Zone series. Oscar Bereggi, he plays his role of, of Captain Lutz to perfection. He conveyed... With delight. He, he probably kicks dogs in South America, exactly, his character did. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he he conveyed, or, or conveyed, sorry, conveyed um, to me. Anyway, he conveyed just the right amount of arrogance and smugness and, and conceit and, and just self-satisfaction. Self, uh, and it was, that was necessary to make him believable as this evil, cold-hearted Nazi murderer. I mean, he smiles so proudly and, and self-satisfied as he walks yeah. through the concentration camp. He did you that know, with the fur line at the beginning of the episode where he was kind of reviewing her on history there. Yeah, and, and you know, the funny part is in the beginning, she, the woman, she sort of recognized him. She she mm-hmm. said that she thought she recognized him, and he said, no, no, I was in Russia. I was in Russia when this, yeah, but yet every time she said something, he gave her this dirty look. Well, if you're trying yeah, to act You like, were in South America. Where'd you get that tan from? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you're trying to deny something, if you're trying to deny that you were there, then why are you, why are you giving her dirty looks and, and acting so offended every time she said it should be burned down? And, you know, it, he was like, you know, completely ridiculous as far as trying to cover up the fact that he was there. But, uh, you know, we all, I think a lot of people know that Rod Serling, he served in World War II. I think she's having problems with Skype, not with Rod Serling. Yeah, uh, to be fair, yeah. She's, Lynn said it's Skype. Skype's a third-party software. Yeah, that's Skype. Good. Okay, well, either way. Well, okay. Um, well, should I go back and finish off? All right, um, just to say that, um, yeah, I, I thought the way it was active was excellent, but I, I do have a slight unease about whether this was a, a suitable topic for um, the Twilight Zone. It, it was almost too near. I mean, nowadays, um, well, when I think about it, when I think, when I think back to uh, 61 when this was made, um, it didn't seem that close to the war, cause having the war, of course, ended in 1945. So 1961, uh, to me as a young person, it, you know, it was already history in the 60s. But in many ways, this was still very raw and fresh in many people's mind. And as uh, Lynn was about to say there, uh, Rod Sterling obviously still has um, uh, quite a, a tender patch with this. Um, and one thing that perhaps just, slightly struck an off chord with me was uh, at the end where he usually keeps things firmly in the twilight zone where he says um, that the reason why this uh, these must stand and I agree these prison camps need to stand people who forget history are uh, doomed to repeat history so it's right that they should stand I've got no uh, dispute with that but the way he said you know where wherever men walk the earth he's obviously there he's he, he he can't resist uh, making it more of a morality tale in terms of bringing it into the real world. And I'm just going to make one little point, and I've only just been looking at this while we've been on air, and I feel as though it should just be mentioned. I mean, the whole point about this, uh, as it was written, 
uh, and written by Rod Sterling, of course, is that the horrors that were performed at this camp, this man would pay and he's paying for it with his sanity. Uh, just looking at the historic records of Dachau, um, there is a slight uh, cloud over that to some extent. Um, and I will... Um, let me put the link in the room because when it was liberated by the Americans, they were so horrified by what they saw there that it appears that some of the uh, the soldiers went on a bit of a rampage. And depending on which port reports you read, anywhere between fifty and thirty uh, and fifty German guards were slaughtered. Some figures put it up between one hundred and twenty-two and five hundred and twenty Germans were murdered after their surrender had been accepted. So I'm just trying to say that um, when you bring a subject of history and a very delicate part of history and, and you reference it for a morality tale, you can't just uh, sanitise parts of it. And uh, it just seems as though there was, you know... I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything other than the fact that uh, if this man was driven insane by all the things he did there um it um I, I, what i'm trying to say is that i think it's almost too too important the subject uh, in 1961 to have been a topic for one of the episodes but i stand to have people think a different opinion of me than that however taking it as a purely dramatic construction I thought it was excellently acted, very chilling in parts, and it was very effective the way they were able to give an idea of the suffering and the terror of these prisoners without actually showing it, with the man actually feeling his body being tortured. When he comes out, he clutches his eyes, clutches his abdomen, he clutches his groin and his knees, as though those are the parts that are being tortured. So, uh, take it, it as a tour de force, between, for the two main actors, and for that reason, it is a, a pretty excellent episode. And uh, we're just hearing uh, uh, the relief of uh, uh, the Bobby household at the moment, I think. Lynn, we can hear you. We are getting background noise from your house. Yes, I'm back, but, but uh, yeah, that's okay, Dave. Go ahead. Well, well, I've pretty much finished. Uh, it was just a little bit of a diatribe I went on there. Uh, um, I, I, basically, I have. I think it was an excellently episode, uh, acted episode. I'm just not sure whether uh, Rod Sterling was bringing some of his own personal, too personal thoughts in to have this as a subject so close, really, to the events themselves. And um, I'm not sure whether that coloured slightly the, the way he wrote it and his little, little eulogy at the end. And uh, not a criticism, I just wonder whether it was perhaps almost too sensitive a subject to be doing in 1961. Why don't you go ahead and give a rating, Dave, since you pretty much finished uh, up well, there. Well, I, well, I, I, yeah, well I, I would give it a four out of five, the acting, but I, I'm not too sure whether it should be a Twilight Zone episode. So I might give it a two. I'll give it an overall three. I'd give it, I'd, I'm not really sure it should have been an episode. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, that's Lynn, after you finish up, why don't you let Bobby go and I'll go last. 
Okay. Oh, well, I'm almost afraid to go. <laughs> I keep getting cut off. I mean, I'm almost afraid to go. Well, look, basically, you know, what I was saying, and if I get cut off again, this, okay, if I get cut off again, though, you know, I'm going to let everybody else go. No, I was just saying that, you know, Rod Serling, he, you know, everybody knew, knew that he hated Nazis, dictatorships, communism, and so this episode was not surprising. Um, I'm not sure I agree with Dave, that it shouldn't be a Twilight Zone episode. Um, I, it, I don't know. I mean, it, it was relevant for the time, and um, you know, it just had that ghostly, chilling aspect. So I, I don't see it not being a Twilight Zone episode, but um, it, I found it very interesting. Um, and uh, that camp setting that was specifically created for this episode. Um, they were. Uh, using it as a fort or something uh, for a Western show that CBS had made, and, and they decided to use it also for this episode. So it had that eerie, depressing look and, you know, gave it a spooky feel. But I, I liked the whole atmosphere of the episode. And uh, I guess the, the last few things I wanted to say were about Joseph Schulkraut, who played the ghost of Albert Becker. And uh, he was a superb actor. He won an Oscar for his role as, um, oh, God, Dreyfus, Dreyfus, in The Life of Emile Zola. And he also played in Frank's father in The Diary of Anne Frank. So I don't know if many people also knew this, but uh, Rod Serling originally offered uh, Joseph Schilkraut the role of Romney Wordsworth in The Obsolete Man. But he was available at the time, so the part, of course, went to Burgess Murnith. But we all know that turned out quite well, so there was no problem with that. Um, but I thought he was completely convincing as this uh, very somber, tormented concentration camp prisoner. And uh, the, the ghostly figures of the other prisoners, they were pretty chilling to see. And uh, I, I originally thought, and the first time I ever saw this episode many, many years ago, I thought that Lissa was going to die at the end. And I assumed that he was just going to have a heart attack or something, but brought on by uh, being scared to death by these ghosts. But uh, seeing him survive and being sent to the nuthouse, that was actually, to me, a more appropriate uh, retribution, I think, because now he's sentenced to a life of self-torment and knowing the full effects of the nightmares and having to live with the nightmares of of the horrors that he inflicted on those innocent victims. So uh, I guess the last thing I have to say is I I did read somewhere that Oscar Beresian and Joseph Schildkraut have been friends for years. They're fathers. They're both their fathers were friends. They were actors who once uh, shared the same building and a friendship when they worked together for a German director named Max Reinhardt. Uh, so, you know, they were friends before they even uh, did this episode. So overall, I thought this was a great episode. And, you know, it went, uh, it went well in, in all respects, acting, story, everything. So I give it a four for excellent, absolutely wonderful episode. And that's all I have to say. And now I'll turn this over to uh, Robert. You want me to give it turn to Bobby? This over to... Okay. And then I'll go, and then Rick will go after me. All righty. Uh, before I get started, I want to go back to something that Dave said because I actually feel the opposite way. I think it was interesting to have this story on the Twilight Zone because this is a series that often, well, maybe not often, but occasionally dabbles in science fiction and visits from. Uh, uh, beings from other planets or us going to them and whether or not they would be friendly and whether or not we would be in any danger and things like that. And here you have a real-life story based on real incident 
uh, at least the, the, the war itself and the rise of Nazi Germany, which shows that um, we may be our own worst enemy, the worst form of life could be right here on this planet. And that was certainly true back then. So as I think it's interesting to think about some other stories in the series, which deal with, uh, with the invaders or visitors and uh, being afraid of them. But here's something you had to be afraid of that was in your, in your backyard. Uh, it's obviously a quality story and it has quality acting. It is a little far-fetched. You've got to swallow hard sometimes doing it because uh, the idea that any former Nazi commandant would come back to visit what he had done when he had escaped is pretty ridiculous. I mean, some of them got away, at least for a while, and uh, they weren't about to go anywhere. And what was the point of coming back to gloat? to himself about his handiwork or to who? Nobody was there to, to, to say, oh, you did a great job here. So it would be kind of ridiculous for him to even consider getting anywhere near that place. <clears throat> um, I, I want to get away from the story itself because like Robert said, uh, whether I don't know if he was hurt or not at the beginning of the show, there isn't really a whole lot to say about it, but it does bring up something interesting that I always feel about when this subject comes up about Nazi Germany what was done. And since this is a story about the revenge and retribution and punishment, you have to wonder, I always have wondered, uh, the Nazis were so bad, and what they did was so hideous and so awful that I'm not sure there is any punishment that is suitable. It doesn't matter what it is. That's not to say there shouldn't be any, but I, I don't know what the, what the punishment for this kind of thing should be. For instance, uh, um, I went to uh, the Twilight Zone Project uh, website to read about, there's an extensive uh, discussion there about this episode, and it played on TV at the exact time that Adolf Eichmann was on trial, and that was making headlines around the world, and I remember it well, and they had to search for him for many, many years until they found him. And uh, um, uh, Hitler, of course, committed suicide. He knew that he was going to be in big trouble, so he ended his own life. Did we really get cheated by that? I don't know. Some, I think about sometimes and wonder what, what we would have done with him if we had caught him. Do you suddenly stick him in jail and let him sit there for the rest of his life? Or do you hang him? Or what? Because the truth is, the Nazis, aside from committing genocide and mass murder, they actually did much more than that. I mean, they worked people to death. They starved people to death. They humiliated them. They did everything imaginable that one human being can do to another. And so um, it, it crosses a line. I mean, I think in, in, there've been there's been other genocide in the world throughout history, and other dictators and terrible people. But what they do kind of transcends all of that because it's so absolutely awful. I've never been able to think. I've I've often thought about that. What will you really do with them after you catch them? Is, is it really punishment just to to be in prison or like this one here to go insane at the end because you've been faced with this? I'm not really sure that I'm ever satisfied. Um, for instance, uh, 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 Charles Manson is still in prison today, as far as I know. And he's been there for over 40 years. But every time I read an article about him, they say that he doesn't really care because he was in prison before the terrible crime in 1969. And, and, and it doesn't bother him to be there. So, uh, you know, he didn't get executed because the death penalty was off the books at that time. And he's still sitting there. And is that punishment for him? I have to wonder. So in this case, um, I guess this was a fitting end for this guy because there really is nothing. I, I'm not satisfied at the end. I'm not satisfied that he went crazy. 
or anything because it just is too overwhelming to even to even suggest what should be done with somebody like that. 365 degree turn, Bobby, from being the way it was to all of a sudden just madness is oh, yeah, awful sure. quick. Yeah. Sure. Well, I, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, some some crime, this particular crime uh, by the Nazis, it stands out in the world even all these years later, and it always will. And it, it's just it's so overwhelming that it just you know it's easy to simply say we'll catch them and hang them. That's it. And yet somehow, at least for me, I'm still not satisfied with that because what they did was just too horrible. But this is just this is a very good story. And it depends on the acting. You have to get the right actress for this. If it had been in anybody else's hands, I'm not sure that it would have been as compelling as it is. It's kind of short. It's ironic because I always complain about the hour-long episodes in the series when they get, we get to that season, that they're too padded and all. But every now and then we get an episode that I think should have been longer, and this is one of them. I would have liked to have seen it a little bit longer than it was. 23, 22, 23, 24 minutes is not much time to really tell a story like this. But it is it is it is a a a good episode. It's just that um, you know I don't know I don't I don't know whether I'm really satisfied at the end or not. Uh, he's been driven to insanity. Okay, I'll accept that. But I still think and and the idea the very idea that anybody would come back to 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 gloat about what he did is uh, is really far fetched. But for the purposes of the story. That well, was really I'm, I'm I'm actually a little okay with the ending because you you have to think about he um he basically tormented he tortured yeah. his victims. It's sure not like did. they they died a quick and painless death. They, well, that's what I said about tortured. the Nazis. That's what I did. They didn't just commit murder. They right. took it another step beyond that. Exactly. So if you were to just kill him, or if he were to have a heart attack, that's too quick and painless. Now I realize that that. You know, he he was imagining all this pain and everything in the end in his mind, and maybe he was feeling it. But to to take a guy like that and put him in a loony bin and have him live out the rest of his life in a mental institution with a bunch of crazies and, and nutsos around, and, and he went nuts, I guess that was a little bit better than having him just be killed at the end. Um because this is a big, strong, strapping man, and now he is nothing but a nutso vegetable in in a mental institution. And I guess that was about the best ending as far as a I don't know a punishment you could have for him. Well, I I just want to ask people or other people on the show today. Suppose we had called Hitler. What would you have done with him? What was suitable if he had not committed suicide? Torture. What would we have done? Torture. It would have to be torture, not just a quick pain. Well, you know what people say to that? Torture. You become as bad as they are if you start going down that road. Well, yeah, yeah considering one, all yeah. the people that he killed, I think he deserves some retribution for that. I think he deserves, like Becker said in this episode, it was justice. It was retribution. You you know, yeah, you don't want to go down the same road. You don't want to be a mass murderer. You don't want to be, but when you have a person who has murdered thousands and thousands and thousands of people, I think that in that case it's justified to torture them to death. Yeah. Uh, that, I, you know, I don't I don't think that's cold. I think you take a guy like Hitler, let him be tortured. I, I think it's justifiable. I don't know but, how but, he wants but, to. But he, but he would die at the end. You wouldn't be saying we're just leaving him in prison. No. no well, yeah, but he, if either you torture him the way he tortured all of his thousands and thousands of victims or you make him insane where he has to live his life out in an insane asylum. One or the other, either one's suitable for me. 
I don't know. I just would let him go through the Nuremberg trial, and they would have taken care of it, like um, Hussein. What happened to um, Saddam Hussein? Eventually, he got hanged. Yeah, he got hanged. But but even sometimes you think that's a little too quick, you know? That's that's like after all the torture he did. Is that is you think that's a little bit too quick and painless? You know, once you get hung, your neck's broken, you're done. Within within seconds, your neck is broken and you die. Is is that good enough for you? That would have been good enough for me for to have him done. Yeah, I I want to see him die at the end. I want him to die, but I I don't think it's uh oh his his victims were tortured, tortured to death. Is it is it fair that he just gets a quick and painless death? No, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't like that. I want. I want him. To, I want him to feel the torture that he put all those thousands of people through. Okay. Well, anyway, I uh, I gave it a four or two, and I'll stick with the four. I'm not sure why we didn't give it a classic rating. It's something lacking that doesn't push it to five, but uh, I'm not sure what it is. But I'll stick with the four. Maybe it's the subject matter. Maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it for me, Robert. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, I want to apologize for technical difficulties to everybody out in the audience listening back to the show. Um, I You're am going to be brief. For technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, people listen to this, and you know, I things know. happen. You just have to get used to it. To pick up where I left off at, um, before we had, you know, our fun situation going on, I felt it was a very compact story, told in the time frame that it was set in. I thought the makeup for the ghosts were pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty much had the feel of a Christmas carol. Marley's ghost is a reminder, except for in the Christmas carol, um, Scrooge had the opportunity to have redemption for the misery he caused other people. But in this episode, there was no um, redemption for uh, Oscar's character. That's a good one. comparison. That's a very good comparison. I never thought of that. And also, um, it was poetic justice for what he deserved for the crimes he committed. And as I said at the beginning of the show, I thought he did a um, better job in this one than he did in the Rip Van Winkle caper. I did enjoy his performance a little bit more. I went ahead and gave it a three out of five. Um, I thought it was a good episode. It was entertaining. Um, but I thought the most ridiculous part is why would somebody come from South America <laughs> just to gloat and lose their well, yeah, that's what um, I sanity? I'll tell you when I get to now. talk. Daddy, go and find well, you're gonna, you show up on his own. You're going to talk right now, Rick. Well, I do apologize for um, the length of the situation, but go ahead and give your um, review of what you thought of the story. All right. Uh, let me start off saying it was a great episode. The reason why I'm not going to give it a classic, though, is it was preachy, 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 preachy. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing I don't like about it. Now, what I did like about the acting was great. I thought um, um, this, the um, location was great. Okay, why would somebody come back? I take it none of you have interviewed a Nazi war criminal. I have. Not lately, not in the past few weeks. No. <laughs> I have, okay? I did it for a history uh, um, um, course. What you call, and, and this is a direct quote. So, well, where, where did you find this person? Uh, here in New York. Anyway. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. What you call an atrocity, I call the day at work. 
It was okay. my job. Nothing more, nothing less. And I have no problem with that. Am I proud of what I did? Yes, I did my job very well. Okay? That's the kind of people you're dealing with. And yes, they would go back and gloat. Why not? If it wasn't for the United States coming in, they would have won the war. It's true. All right. Was it a little too close to, to World War II? Yeah, maybe. But look at what happened after. Okay, actually, before, you had Korea. There were prison camps in Korea. Look at the mess in Croatia, in Sarajevo, um, um, Cambodia. Mm-hmm. People don't forget, and yet they continue to do it. Sure. Uh, I like these documentaries, especially uh, World at War is uh, fascinating. Documentary. Oh yeah, let's try. If anybody got a chance to see see that, um, I seen the whole series. I had the DVD box set, and it was a it was a pretty good. And they had the interviews with people that were involved in the war. Yeah, that was a good was series. Interesting. That was a good series. But go on, Rick. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you there. That's quite all right. Um, but um, I'm I'm just about done anyway. But uh, no, the acting was great. I thought I uh. If it wasn't so preachy, I would have given it a five. Uh, but since it is, I'm going to give it a four point five. Cool. Yeah, and that's that's a good rating. And uh, yeah, I can I see what you're saying because it was it was very preachy. It was. Yeah, very I think preachy. Rod Rod uh, Sterling's raw nerve was showing a little bit in 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 certainly in his summation. I think at the end. Yeah. His, his closing narration basically said everything, and, uh, you know, he did go on to basically preach the fact that, you know, they have to stand just as a, you know, a reminder of what has happened in the past and, you know, what can happen in the future. Yeah, so it was a preachy episode, which he's done a few of those, you know, during the series. This episode brought up um, Chandler's List, and, yeah. you know, there was other movies as well like that. Shannon's List was a good one, won the um, Best yes. Picture and other Oscars in 1993. I go to work the other day. Nobody's there. Nobody tells me about this. I have to find out. I have to go in. Everybody's gone. They cast a spell on you, you know, the Jews. When you work closely with them like I do, you see this. They have this power. It's like a virus. They fear us because we have the power to kill arbitrarily. It's not power, though. Power is when we have every justification to kill. And we don't. By law, I have to tell you, sir, I'm a Jew. Well, I'm a German, so there we are. You must have contacts in the Jewish business community working here. You can make a fortune, don't you think? I think most people right now have other priorities. I'm sure I don't know anybody who'll be interested in this. Well, they should be. It's Eckstein. Tell them they should be. A big shot from the SS Budget and Construction Office came to lunch and he told us that to believe a Jewish skate worker had a place in Reich economics was a treasonable idea. 
They lost a worker. They expect to be compensated. You need to understand that some of the officers here don't give a damn about production. There's no future in it. They don't have a future. People die. It's a fact of life. He wants to kill everybody? Great. What am I supposed to do about it? You're giving them hope. You shouldn't do that. Send them over to Shindra. This place is a haven, didn't you know? It's not a factory. Today is history. Today will be remembered. What's a person worth? No, 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 no. What's one worth to you? They say that no one dies here. They say you are good. Oscar Schindler. He did something extraordinary. He did something no one else did. Some day. This is all going to end. The director don't let things fall apart. I work too hard. That was a great movie, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Liam Nielsen. Nielsen ugh, Liam Nielsen. Yeah, Liam Nielsen. Thank you. Nielsen <laughs> did a, a pretty good job in that. And um, mm. Ben Kingsley as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, one thing, I was, as I say, I, I don't want to go on about this Dakar thing too much, but uh, I do feel as though if you did a little bit more research, you might have picked uh, our named Auschwitz or somewhere like that because uh, people seem to... Uh, you know, some are prison camps and others are extermination camps. And apparently this particular Dachau was the first one opened opened as early as something like 1933. And for the first seven years, the prisoners in it were all German prisoners. Um, You know, and it was used more as a prison camp than an extermination camp. Um, It wasn't one of these others where, you know, 200,000 go in and nobody comes out. It was one of them where 200,000 went in and about 20,000 of them died horribly. Uh, but most of them died from disease, I think, in this particular one. So you would have thought you would have just done that little bit more research. I'm not saying that this is not a bad camp. <laughs> Obviously, all the camps are terrible. <laughs> uh, I'm not suggesting that warmly. But the, you know, I would have thought you would have uh, gone more for... you know. Uh, the death camp. The Dachau concentration camp was the only camp to have existed throughout the entire 12 years of Nazi rule. In the early years, it was the largest and best known concentration camp. The name Dachau soon spread fear and terror throughout Germany. It was set up in the buildings of an unused gunpowder and munitions factory near Dachau. The camp was initially placed under the command of the regional Bavarian police. On March 20th, Heinrich Himmler, commissionary police president of Munich, announced the establishment of a concentration camp for the arrest of political opponents at a press conference. 
The first prisoner transport arrived on March 22nd. German communists and social democrats were the first prisoners to set foot into Dachau. Later, politicians from parties of the political center and monarchists were also interned into Dachau. Until 1938, prisoners lived in ten stone barracks belonging to the former munitions factory. Every barrack had five dormitory rooms, each of which housed 54 prisoners. In summer 1938, the 34 barracks of the new camp were completed, and the prisoners were granted 30 new barracks. Every one of these housing barracks was comprised of four rooms, which included a day room and a dormitory. 52 prisoners were housed in each, giving a total of 208 prisoners in each barrack. The entire camp was planned to house more than 6,000 prisoners. Small bathroom and washing stations were very few compared to the amount of prisoners living in the dorm. During the day, they were subjected to harsh labor. With the little food they were being given, their bodies could not handle the strain. Their bodies became frail and were most often worked to death. Seeing there robbed the human mind of reason. It simply robbed the human mind of reason. It was such a horrible, terrible, unbelievable scene that it was even difficult for me to think rationally there for a while. But I was thinking rationally from the whole way through. Uh, by that time, I was a, a real battle-hard veteran, you know. I had been in many, many battles, starting in Sicily. We came in from North Africa to Sicily, and went all the way from Sicily to Salerno, to Anzio, to the invasion of France. I had been wounded twice, hospitalized for a couple of months. So I was used to death, and I was used to combat. It was you know, part of my job at that time, but I uh, was not prepared for what I saw in Dachau. Nothing could prepare you for that. Nothing could prepare you for that type of slaughter that was carried on in that camp. I think Auschwitz is the one that people think of more often than Dachau. I, you know, when you talk about concentration camps, I think Auschwitz is, is often the one that comes to mind first. Well, no, Dachau was a concentration camp. No, no, it wasn't. Was, a, but but it wasn't an extermination camp. That was the difference. No, I know that, but I'm, I'm saying when you think of those camps, Auschwitz is the one that a lot of people think of first before Dachau. And Belsen, yeah. Yeah, Auschwitz is the one you, you usually think of first. Well, Dachau and Auschwitz were the two main ones that were mentioned in history books. That I remember when I was in school and we got into the World War II section talking about Germany and Italy and all that stuff. Those were the two yeah, I, major I camps that were mentioned. I was yeah. yeah. the, the, one other thing is the fact that this chap was the, this commandant of this place, and you must have a pretty strong stomach if you could not only order these tortures, but maybe actually sit on them. You might have thought that that would have meant that he wouldn't have been driven mad in two hours. You might have thought, you know, he would have had a resistance. Like I said, to, Dave, you're uh, dealing with people who are saying this is just my job. Uh, uh, right. and, and looking at the people as non-people, as, as a product. Right. And they feel they did their job, and they did it well, and they're proud of it. Mm. That's, why, that's why I'm not sure it should be in here. There's too, there's too much emotional baggage 
and 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 real and obviously, remember 1961. There's going to be a heck of a lot of people that are. It's still very very uh, close to their minds and thoughts and relatives they've lost. So. But you could argue that it was brave to do it, uh, taking on, like Bobby says, more of a real-world threat. The threat doesn't always come from without. Well, you know, uh, Rod Serling wrote this story within two weeks of the start of Eichmann's trial, and and the trial was being broadcast live all over the world with, you know, very few restrictions. But, but he wrote it within two weeks of the start of the trial. So it affected yeah, he, him somewhat, yeah. Well, you'd almost think as though they wouldn't have been allowed to air it while the trial was on. Yeah, they aired it uh, live all over the world. You know, the few restrictions, but no, no, no. not many. the trial. Not the trial. You wonder why they, they, they might not have been allowed to show this episode oh, oh, during yeah. the trial. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, you know, the um, TV, um, you know, sci-fi um, shows took up um, this and set it to where it could be set on a different planet where um, we had influence. Um, one comes to mind is um, where um, Voyager, Star, um, Star Trek Voyager, was um, brought up one towards the end of their series. And, of course, the original Star Trek um, had an episode in Season 2, Episode 21, called Patterns of Force, where um, they land on a different planet that looks very much like um, Nazi Germany. We have the, um, the talk of the Prime Directive, in that episode, or example, the Prime Directive, where you know we're not supposed to interfere with other cultures, so that was a good one. Oh, hi! They're right behind me! Hi! Your uniform, Captain. You should make a very convincing Nazi. She captured a Seon spy that was attempting to assassinate the Fuhrer. Gods. You were sent here to kill our fear, our confess. Do you want some more persuasion? This is the time of destiny. Hail victory! Hail victory! Professor, you've got to talk. You've got to tell them what happened. We finished the job. Cosians are humanoids, so there's apt to be a similarity in architecture. Interesting. Hi! They're right behind me! Hi! Zeon, pig. On your feet, pig. Captain, the non-interference directive. Hold. Hands above your head, Zeon. Higher. Keep your hands in the air so you don't touch anything at Kojin. You swine have defiled us for the last time. But that's no ended. Move! Do you recognize those uniforms? Mid-20th century Earth, the nation-state called Nazi Germany. Attention! 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 An 
announcement from Fuhrer headquarters. Today, the Fuhrer has ordered our glorious capital to be made Zeon free. Starting at dawn, our heroic troops began flushing out the Zeon monsters who've been poisoning our planet. How could this have happened? The chances of another planet developing a culture like Nazi Germany using the forms, the symbols, the uniforms of 20th century Earth are so fantastically slim. Virtually impossible, Captain. Yet the evidence is quite clear. So rather bizarre, the titled episode, this, is, was this always the episode title, or was it? It, it yes. doesn't, it doesn't uh, seems a rather clumsy title to me. I don't know what they could have gone with. Why, why, why do you feel that way about the title? Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, death's head. I mean, it's, I don't know. Well, they probably didn't want to put the uh, Jaka revisited on everything. No, probably. No, but yeah. cause some yeah. people may not know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was appropriate. Uh, I mean, he was revisiting his, his, you know, place of his glory days, as he thought they were. Anyway. Actually, maybe even um, an even more obscure um, um, reference might be the SS emblem, which was a death set. Uh, yeah. Ah, mm-hmm. right, of course. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, a skull... Um, and crossbones. Not not crossbones, but a skull with a patch over the eye, uh, I believe. And um, uh, I think there was a sweat sticker in the background. I forget exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, I think it was an excellent episode. Um, and Rick, what was your rating? Four and a half? Four and a half, yes. Okay. And Dave, you gave it a four or a three? Well, I gave it a four, definitely, for the acting, but because I'm not too sure whether it was the right time to do this sort of episode, I, I brought yeah. it down to a three. Okay. And, Robert, you gave it a three? Yeah, I gave it a three out of okay. five. Okay, and Bobby and I gave it a four. Okay, so we're between, you know, uh, we're between four and uh, three and four. So, you know, overall, I think it was a really good episode. And Then I have something else to add that I meant yeah, to put sure. in my review. Mm-hmm. Um, while searching the web, there is a website you can go to if you want to see what it looks like today. It does indeed still stand, and it's something of a tourist attraction. If you just go to Google and you type in what happened to Dachau, at the top of the page, I don't have it in front of me at the moment, you'll see if you click on that, it takes you there, and there are a lot of pictures there. And it's a very impressive, very impressive. There's memorials there where the ashes of uh, some of the victims are buried. And there was one interesting thing there. People can also post there about if they've been there to see it. And one woman posted that she was so fascinated by it that she went there to visit it. And since she got back from there over the past five years, she's seen this episode more than a dozen times. That it means far more to her now that she's been there than it did when she saw it the first time. So yeah. it's an impressive website. The pictures are they've done a very good job of uh, of making it into a memorial. So it does still stand. My initial implication was, as a matter of fact, before we did the show today, I said to Lynn, I said, I'm not sure it's still there. I think they burned it to the ground. But no, they didn't burn it to the ground. And that's mm-hmm. probably wise. You really shouldn't burn it to the ground. And, uh, and, it, and it is there. And it's, uh, so, you know, if you want to see what it looks like today, all you have to do is go to Google, and you'll find it right there. It's quite interesting to look at. What do you, what do you type? What so, happened to Dachau? Yeah, I typed in at Google. I simply put what happened to Dachau. Not at, but to. 
and then you get a whole list of you know telling you whether it's still there and any one of them will take you to this site with I, i'm going to post on that on the board at, at our group uh the the direct link to it after the show is over yeah, I put I put the wiki links in for it uh, when I was talking before. I mean, it was actually still in use up to 1960 as a prison camp. Yeah, only a year before this was done. Wow, it's amazing! Amazing that it still stands. But it probably is a good thing that it still stands. A reminder of what shouldn't go on in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So I think uh, we've got all of our ratings in here, and this was good, other than our wonderful technical difficulties. Yeah. Uh, but what would it be if we didn't have that kind of difficulties? With, with Skype, <laughs> but, of course, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I I miss my X-Lite days. I miss my X-Lite days. But, you know, other than that, uh, I thought this was a good episode, and we will be doing our next episode uh, two weeks from now, April 14th, Saturday, April 14th, and another what I consider to be a, a really good episode, The Midnight Sun. Am I correct, Robert? Yep, yep. The Midnight Sun. Very Midnight much looking forward Sun. to that one. Yes, me too, and that will be Saturday, April 14th. I hope everyone will be here. Oh, I'm sorry we lost our non-member, Frank. I thought he would stay for for the whole show, but he didn't, but hopefully he'll stop in again and see us. So two weeks from now, I hope to see everyone here for the Midnight Sun. And in the meantime, I hope everyone has a happy Easter, a happy Passover, and a happy next couple of weekends ahead of us. Yeah, and unfortunately with the technical difficulties, I didn't get to play my Monty Python clip. Of the, Aww. Uh, the, Can you play um, it? It won't play now? Well, yeah, it's about. I was going to do a, t- a skit about zombie um, white <laughs> rabbits, but. Oh, well. Behold the cave of Carpanos! Right. Keep me covered. What with? Just keep me covered. Too late! What? There he is! Where? There! What, behind the rabbit? It is the rabbit. You silly sod! What? You guys all worked up! Well, that's no ordinary rabbit. That's the most foul, cruel and bad-tempered rodent you ever set eyes on. You tit! I saw my arm and I was so scared. Look, that rabbit's got a vicious street a mile wide. It's a killer. Get He'll do you a, a treat, mate. Oh, yeah? Manky Scots git. I'm warning you. What's he do? Nibble your bum? He's got huge, sharp... Uh, he can leap about... Look at the bones! Go on, boys. Chop his head off. Right, silly little beater. One rabbit suit coming right up. Look! Ah! I warned you. I've done it again. I warned you, but did you listen to me? Oh, no, you knew it all, didn't you? Oh, it's just a harmless little bunny, isn't it? Well, it's always the same. I always oh, tell them, up. do they listen to me? Right. Oh, no. Shut oh. up! Oh, <laughs>
Well, but uh, we can go out on a clip um, before the um, outro, and I'll do that as soon as you finish up, Lynn. Awesome. Okay. Well, we will see everybody two weeks from now on bye. April 14th. Bye. 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 And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a happy Easter. And we'll go out before the outro with this. Yep. Technology is a wonderful thing, but sometimes it don't work. But here are some outtakes from today's show. Enjoy. <laughs> um. Eddie, um. the wonderful thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what you said you were going to say. <laughs> and um. on cue now, Lynn. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Talking Twilight Zone. <laughs> if we can get it out. <sighs> Where he screams in agony, and he's being driven insane. So before departing, Becker's ghost informs him, this is not hate. This is justice. But this is only the beginning. Hello? Uh, welcome to Twilight Zone, folks. But you better take over for a minute, Robert. I guess I better. <laughs> but voices, it sounds as though, from the fact that we're hearing... Rustling, Lynn, and it's not trees, it must be Lynn. <laughs> it says, Lynn, are you back on LK? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> uh, we oh, were just uh, making a contribution while... We waited for you to yeah, get back in, but we're quite happy to I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. No, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm so, and I get so aggravated with Skype. I really do. And the, the Skype is just the worst. Being so offended every time she said it should be burned down, and you know, it, he was like, you know, completely ridiculous as far as trying to cover up the fact that he was there. But 
uh, you know, we all, I think a lot of people know that Rod Serling, he served in World War II. You know, and his hatred toward Nazis and... Uh, the- Oh my! Not again! Hey, don't feel bad. I had this happen to me. I don't know how many times. <laughs> I love talk shoe. I love talk shoe. Don't you love talk shoe, Dave? You work for talk shoe. You love it a lot, don't you? <laughs> I think she's having problems with Skype, not with talk yeah, shoe. Yeah, uh, to be fair, yeah, she's. Lynn said it's Skype. Skype's a third-party software. Yeah, Skype. Okay. Well, either way. Well, okay. I'm just, wondering, I'm just wondering whether it is something that should be talked about on. And uh, we're just hearing uh, uh, the relief of uh, uh, the Bobby household at the moment, I think. Lynn, we can hear you. We are getting background noise from your house. Yeah, I'm back in, but you don't yell in the middle of somebody talking. Well, I, I tell well, you, you know, my speaker off here. The sun don't shine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> it's all right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 